All right. You bring your Bibles? I'm going to talk to you tonight, minister to you on an attribute of a champion. And I've got multiple points, but I'm just going to cover one tonight. And then whenever I get another opportunity, when I'm here in the United States of America and in Crowley, Texas, then I will hopefully continue on this. But an attribute of a champion. I, uh, I, I grew up in sports, so I'm going to use some sports analogies tonight. Uh, if I had grown up as a champion in something else, I would use that. But if you can just, for the sake of the word tonight, allow me to use sports analogies, even if you're not a sports uh, enthusiast. That's, uh, that's what I know. So, I, I grew up um, playing sports as part of our home. We, that's what we did. We went to the ballparks, and uh, I played baseball and, and uh, basketball. I liked all sports, actually. Uh, I played everything. And uh, when I was in the eighth grade... I was going to a Christian school, and the coach came to me and said, I noticed that you, you like to uh, shoot from, you know, outside of the basket, you know, d- you know, far away from the basket. And uh, did you hear that they're going to implement a three-point line in the game of basketball next year? And I said, wow, no, I didn't hear that. So... Uh, I was in the eighth grade playing for the varsity basketball team. And uh, so anyway, they implemented the three-point line. That, that really does date me. <laughs> I was there when they had the three-point line came out. It used to be that they didn't have a three-point line. And so anyway, uh, my ninth grade year, freshman in high school, we uh, it was me and, and a... There was a couple guys that were seniors. The, the one senior was six foot four and a uh, good basketball player, very athletic, could dunk, could dunk the basketball both hands. And, well, as life would have it, uh, on a side note, this guy ends up marrying my sister two years ago. So anyway, he and I were kind of a one-two punch and... We went down to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I grew up in Western Louisiana, so we drove down to Baton Rouge and uh, played the state semifinals. I had 35 points, uh, seven three-pointers in that game. And then in the final game, I had 28 points, and we won the state championship in high school. And then uh, I went on to play basketball in college, and I had the, just the favor of God. We had, we had put out some newspaper clippings and taped them, you know, to, there's just a bunch of little small newspaper ads, and then there were some big ones and whatever. So we made a little booklet, packet, and sent it out to a bunch of colleges. Well, I've gotten a couple of uh, responses from, like, Cornell University, which is in New York, but I, I just couldn't imagine being from Louisiana and going to New York. So that, to me, was just out. 
And so uh, I had a couple other, you know, looks from like Nickel State down in South Louisiana, a couple others, uh, even a couple over here in Texas. But anyway, I ended up, uh, my dad had gone, mom and dad had gone to Lee College in Cleveland, Tennessee. And they offered me a full scholarship, four years paid, and they never saw me play. They never saw me play. That's the favor of God. That's the favor of God. That, that was, uh, at that time, in 1992, $8,000 a year was tuition. And now that school's, you know, probably triple that is my guess. But $8,000 a year, all paid. And, of course, Nikki was a 4.0 student. And since she talked about me last week... <laughs> And I got the microphone. Well, she, she made real high scores on her ACT, so, but, so she earned half scholarship, which I think is kind of unfair because she was much smarter and she only had half scholarship. But, but anyway. So I'm just saying I think that was unfair for you. So anyway, uh, I didn't play much my freshman year in, in college because it was, a, it was another level. Uh, another level physically, uh, speed-wise, endurance-wise. It was another level. And so uh, most of my freshman year, I, I sat at the end of the bench, and I'd get spare minutes or whatever. But all the time I was working on my physical body, working out and, and doing the things I needed to do to improve, extra shooting, those kinds of things. Well, my sophomore year, uh, I started the semifinal game of the national tournament. We made it to nationals. We had to go to Marion, Indiana, and uh, I started that game. And then the next game, well, anyway, we ended up winning the national championship in college, 1994. And so I, I wore my ring tonight. This is, uh, says Lee, Lee College. It's got my name, Deaton. My number's 10. And it says 1994, national champions. And so I, I would pull this out occasionally, you know, because it was a good conversational piece with people. And, and, um, but mostly it sat in a jewelry uh, box thing. And, well, when, I, when we moved down to Texas, I sat it on my desk. Because it's just a reminder of me, for me, like I don't, I don't live there, you know, like some of the former athletes. But it is a reminder to me of a high-level, a high-level achievement. And we're talking this year about, the year of the maximum, the highest level attainable. And... So as I was, as I've been meditating on the year of the, uh, the word of the Lord for this year, as you should do if you believe the prophet, you'll receive a prophet's reward. So as I've been meditating on this, I've been thinking about, you know, how do I go to another level? How do I, how do I go higher in fact, how do I go to the highest level attainable? And so 
the Lord just began to remind me of some of my experiences in sports and how that relates to what we as Christians uh, go through and can achieve in life. Because Jesus came to this earth, left heaven, came to earth. Uh, he made himself of no reputation. And he, went to the, he was obedient to death, even the death of the cross, the Bible says. And the Bible says in Luke that for unto us, we always read it at Christmas time, but I just, I caught it and it just, it just stuck out to me. For unto us is born this day in the city of David, a what? Savior. So Jesus was born a Savior. So when I come into the kingdom of God, we use the term born again. The reason we use that term born again is because it's in the Gospels where Jesus told a man, he said, what must I do to inherit the kingdom? He said, you must be born again. He said, well, how can a man be born again? I mean, how can a man enter his mother's womb twice? So basically, Jesus' paraphrase told him, you must be born naturally. Because you can't be born again if you haven't been born in the earth. So you must be born naturally. And then you're born of the Spirit. So we say born again. So he was born a savior. But when we're born again, we are born again as a champion. And the reason why we're born again as a champion, immediately we are champions. Because Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. So he, he endured the cross, the shame. He was despised, rejected, beaten. He did all this. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we were healed. And so then he said on the cross, it is finished. And so in the, if I can, if I can use this terminology, in the game of, you know, the spiritual world, Jesus said, it is finished. There's much conjecture as to what happened from there. But we do know when Jesus rose from the grave, that he appeared to his disciples in Matthew 28, verse 18. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. What was this authority in earth was that God had given man dominion in the earth from the time, from the beginning of time where he said, you know, I bless you, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, subdue, right? Genesis. And when man sinned and Satan took that authority from man, let's say the keys, because that's what keys represent authority. So Satan took those keys from man. Well, God had a plan. He looked for a man, couldn't find one. and He sent Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but... So, Jesus came as a man, endured not only the cross, but endured temptation, every point 
that man deals with because the Bible says that, that he can identify with us in our weakness because he was also tempted, but without sin. And so he endured the cross, whipped Satan in the grave because the Bible says that he made an open display, a display of him openly, parading the, in the, the picture that he gives is he paraded him naked through the streets like they used to do in war times. They used to cut off their thumbs, parade them naked through the street to show the people that the enemy that once uh, suppressed them was no longer in authority. And so he took the keys back, the authority back from Satan and came back to the earth, appeared before men and said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Then he said, go therefore. So what was he doing? He was saying, here's the keys back. Here's the keys back that man had given to the enemy. Here they are back. Subdue. Be blessed. The curse is no longer. I became a curse for you. He redeemed us from the curse. So that the blessing would come back on us. That ought to be reason enough for you to get a smile on your face and to shout a little bit up in here. That Jesus has redeemed you from the curse. He has brought you out from a horrible pit and saved you. You're going to heaven someday. You'll spend the rest of your life praising, worshiping around the throne, subduing, having dominion, ruling and reigning as kings and priests. Can you say amen? And that's what he did. Our champion. This was the state championship, the national championship of all championships. The world universe champion, Jesus Christ. So when I become born again, our champion makes my spirit from death to life. And now I have the heart of a champion. That means that I can do way, 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 way more with him than I could ever do without him. So I have a heart of a champion. That means that I can endure things that other people can't endure. And I can keep my peace and I can keep my joy. Why? Because I have a heart of a champion. The heart of a champion is someone that can go farther than they ever thought that they could go. You know, I remember when I first came up to the college ranks to play and we went out to the track and the coach says, we're going to, you're going to run a six minute mile. Now I didn't train for any of this. I didn't know what this would be like. We're going to run a six minute. You're going to run a mile. And you're going to do it in six minutes. And if you don't, you got to do it again. Well, I hadn't been running miles. And so to me, it felt like a sprint for four laps. 
And I made it in five minutes and 58 seconds. By the hair of my chinny chin chin. Well, I'm feeling proud of myself. And then then the coach says, all right, everybody on the line. You have a 440, which is one lap around the track. You got to make it in 65 seconds. That's basically a, a sprint around the track. It's a quarter of a mile as fast as you can run. So we did that. Everybody back on the line, you have a 220, which is half the track. You got to make it in 30 seconds. We're going to do 10 of these. Everybody on the line, we have five 100s, and you need to make it in 12 seconds. So anyway, uh, by the end of the first day, I was tarred. I was tarred. And uh, I realized that I had not prepared for the next level. I had not trained for the next level. You know, to go to another level, to go higher, to reach the maximum, number one is you must be first willing to go there. (laughs) Right? God can't drag you there. Because it's your choice. The most powerful thing that he gave to humans. The will to choose. To make a choice. But let's assume, since you're all here on a Wednesday night, and you're all fired up and hungry for God, that you've made the choice that I want to go to another level. I want to go higher. I want to reach the maximum. And in fact... If that's you, well, you're right there with the Apostle Paul. Because the Apostle Paul said in Philippians, this is where we go to the scripture now. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Everybody say press on. on. Now I looked up the word press on. And what it means in the Greek is it means to put to flight. It means aggressively chase like a hunter. It means pursuing a catch. It means to pursue with all haste. In other words, you're going all out. You're pressing in, you're pressing on. It's one who runs a race swiftly to obtain a goal. So in pressing on... There is a goal. And one who is pressing on has their eyes fixed on the goal. There is a finish line for us. There is a finish line. Now, whether we go by way of grave or whether we go, whether we hear the trumpet sound, the dead in Christ rise and all of us who are alive and remain meet him in the air for this phase of our Eternity, that is our finish line. But until then, I must know what the finish line is so that I can govern my life according to where I'm headed. Now, if I know I'm headed to heaven and that the kingdom of heaven has ways, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The Amplified says, God's ways of doing and being right. 
So the kingdom of heaven has ways. The kingdom of heaven has principles that it operates by. Well, one of the principles of heaven is love because God is love. So that is a principle of the kingdom of heaven. And in fact, God thinks it's so important that he says, love one another as you love. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands hang all the law and all the prophets. Why? Because love is the principal thing of heaven. It is, the, it is God is love. He doesn't just have love, he is love. So that, for example, so love is a way of God because he is love. Right? So the kingdom of heaven has ways that it does things. And so when Jesus came to teach us, to teach the world, he he taught the principles of the kingdom and how heaven operates and how God operates. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is as. And And he taught parables so that people could understand living on an earth that was now full of sin, what it's like to live in heaven. And so he said, pray this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, what? As it is in heaven. heaven. So what Jesus was saying was that you can operate in in the principles of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And that's what he came to teach us. In the middle of a world of sin, in the middle of, you know, an evil resistant force. You can have heaven on earth. I lost some of you on that one. Can we, preacher, can we, can we really, can we really have heaven? Can we really, preacher? You can experience the kingdom of heaven. You know, we talk about miracles and we talk about heal, the gifts of healing and miracles. I want to see miracles. But God's perfect design for us is to walk in divine health. Amen. Beloved, I desire above all things that you prosper and be a continuous state of health. So I'm saying, though, you know, yeah, I want to see miracles too. But God's best is that we walk in health. Divinely walk in health. Now that's no condemnation if you're not divinely walking in health. It just means that there's another level you can go to. There's another opportunity in the kingdom of God. I really feel like I'm, I'm preaching better than you're saying tonight. So we're talking about Paul saying, I got to press on. There, there's a term in basketball called the full court press. And what that is, is you, you apply pressure 
to the opponent. So when the opponent has the basketball, you, uh, you've got guys that are pressuring the basketball coming to their end of the court the whole way up the court, applying pressure aggressively, applying pressure. And many of God's people have been playing defense rather than pressing and attacking this journey called life. When you have the keys, you have the authority to subdue, to have dominion. You have the authority to to walk on serpents. You have the authority to use the name of Jesus to do what? Change the environment. To, to change the environment so that you can live a life of heaven on earth. Now, it's up to you what you do with these keys. But you have the keys. And so we, we, would, uh, we would apply pressure. And what would happen is when we would apply pressure, the enemy would cough up the basketball. Because that's the only way you score is if you have the basketball. And he who scores the most points is he who wins. So my philosophy when I coached some was, now we play defense because you got to have a good defense and all that. But I always said the best defense is a good offense. And to be on the offensive and to attack. Well, that is pressing, pressing on, Paul said. He says, you know, I'm not, I haven't been perfect. In other words, what he was saying was, I haven't attained the complete, uh, everything that Jesus did on the cross and, and by raising from the grave, the, in the, everything, all the promises of his resurrection, Paul was saying, I am not walking in full completeness of everything that Jesus promised me and coming out of that grave. But he was saying that because he had attained a lot. But even in all that he attained, he said, there's another level that I can go. So he said, I press on that I may lay hold of that. For which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. See, you grab onto this. You're grabbing onto salvation. You're grabbing on to healing. You're grabbing on to the blood of Jesus that washes us and cleanses us and sets us free. And, and also that, that heals us. You're grabbing on to these things. And I'm not letting go because why? Because he paid the price for me to have it. Verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead. You know, I was just, I was in my office uh, across the, across the uh, pasture, (laughs) 
which will soon be houses, I guess, at the ministry. And I was just looking at this, at this card with the mountain on it. Paul said, I am reaching forward to the things which are ahead. This definition, uh, the way that the Greek uh, describes this, is a, is a believer that is straining forward to reach the full impact of the resurrection. It's a believer that is straining forward to reach the full impact of the resurrection. And so I was thinking about this, uh, this mountain. Now, I've never been mountain climbing per se. They have a thing you could go to in some places where they have a mountain climbing rock. How many of you have ever seen those mountain climbing rocks? Okay, you can get on. It's got little handles and you can grip and things. And there are some of them that are pretty high. But I mean, even as high as some of those are, they're not mountains. But when you get up, when you get up 20 feet. And then you look down. 20 feet might as well be 100 feet or 3000 feet. Because you go, you know, if I fall. That's a long way down. Yeah, it's going to leave a mark. It's going to leave a mark. But I was thinking about this, you know, in terms of someone that's climbing a mountain. In order to climb a mountain, you got to do what? You got to reach up. Right? Now, I can't reach up if I'm looking back. And Paul said that I forget the things which are behind and reach forward. If I'm trying to reach forward and I'm looking back, then I'm going to. If you're up on a mountain, imagine this now. You're climbing the mountain. The sound of music songs playing, climb every mountain in an in an operatic voice, is that a word? In an opera type voice. Climb every mountain. It's, it's just ringing through your head. It's, it's motivating. Oh, every sea. You're reaching, you're reaching, you're reaching. And then you get to a place where you go, wow. Yeah, doing pretty good here. And you make the mistake of doing what? When you look back and you realize how far up you are. And how far down it is, the fear can paralyze you. And it can cause you to stay right where you are if you don't deal with it. Jesus said, we were just talking about this at lunch today or yesterday. Jesus said three words that were so powerful. Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah. Lord, he's, he's negotiating with God about the righteous people there. And finally, it's just Lot and his family. Let's get them out. And someone wouldn't. Anyway, 
So they're, they're out of there. They're running. And Lot's wife does what? Jesus said three words. Remember Lot's wife. Now, there are things in our, in our past that we can look back on that can propel us forward. Amen? So, Psalm 77, I will remember the wondrous works of the Lord. So, you can look at your past and say, I was in a horrible pit, but look what the Lord has done. He rescued me, saved me, redeemed me. And keep the shame of the past in the past. And so Paul was, you know, you imagine you were someone that were, that was killing Christians. And now God's using you to go to some of these same people. You better have some selective memory if you're going to do anything. Am I right? I don't think it, you know, anyway. So he says, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching forward. Just like I can't, I can't live off yesterday's manna. I need fresh revelation from the Holy Ghost for today. I don't know about you, but I, I don't ever. Nikki, Nikki likes. I'll use her because people dared me to before the service. <laughs> Nikki likes leftover pizza. Nikki likes yesterday's food. Leftover. No, I don't, I don't like leftover pizza. Now, in fact, there's not a lot of things that I do like that's leftover. So, I don't know where I was going with that, but that's. Yeah, yeah, we can't live off of yesterday's pizza. Spiritually, spiritually. We. <laughs> We need something cooking up in the kitchen today. Come on, y'all. Fresh revelation. Fresh meat. Fresh manna. Fresh Every day for today. Jesus says sufficient, sufficient for today is today's troubles. <laughs> so Paul's saying, man, you got you to gotta press on. You gotta, we we got we to finish this. Finish this race. Well, there's a finish line. Which Paul reached. Because he said, I fought the good fight. I've finished my course. And I've kept the faith. In other words, I didn't quit. There was opposition on every side. He even talks about that, how, how they were perplexed, they were crushed, but there was always a but, or there was always a yet. But God, 
Yet God did this. And that's what he was saying. So if I'm, if I've got the finish line in mind, then I'm going to conduct my life according to where I'm going. Now, I don't know how many people would raise their hand in here. Uh, There are some crazy people in the world that would say yes to this question. But if you want to go to hell, anybody in here want to go to hell? Okay. But if you did want to go to hell, then you should live like you're going there. Am I right? But if you want to go to heaven, then you should live like you're going there. Because God's got ways that are different than man's ways. Which brings me... (laughs) That was my introduction. (laughs) Which brings me to point number one. I probably won't even get to point number one tonight. One of the one of the attributes of championship teams is that they are very good at the fundamentals. They are very good at the fundamentals. Now, I was a good shooter. Shooter, shoot the basketball. And uh, I actually brought a basketball here tonight. I don't have a goal. I have a goal in life, you know what I'm saying, just like Paul. <laughs> but I don't have a goal to shoot on. But there is, there is a, uh, there are fundamentals to shooting a basketball. And so I was pretty good at shooting because... I practiced. I practiced a lot. Then when I when I got to be a, I'm gonna set that right there. When I got to be a junior in high school, and I was at the at the big high school in Western Louisiana, and there was a shooting coach uh, that I worked with, and I don't know how old he was at the time, but. He didn't have a championship-looking body unless he championed buffets. (laughs) I'm just saying the truth. He was big, big, big tummy. But he was a very good shooter. And so he began to work with me on shooting. And so I was a pretty good shooter, but what he did for me was he began to fine-tune some of the little things which created great results. So one of the things about, about a basketball and shooting is a lot of people, when they, when they get the ball, they, they put their hand on it like this. And in fact, that's wrong uh, because you, you have most of your feel in your hands and your fingertips. And so what he taught me was to hold the ball out on my fingertips like this, where you could slide a pencil or two through, through the hole there. And what that does was it, 
it helps create feel. And then when you, what, what happens is, is the ball will come up to here, which creates a window. So I can see it. I can see the goal that I'm aiming at, which is a round cylinder. Those of you with a net. Some, some would call it a hoop, not a hula hoop. Okay. So when I bring the ball up to here, I've got the ball out of my fingertips. I can see with my eye the ball and my goal. Okay. You see some people when they flare their elbow out like this, well, that's, that's not good form. You want to be here if you want to be consistent. And then this hand is just meant to be a guide to the ball so that the ball doesn't fall out of this hand. And so one of the things I was doing was when I would shoot, this hand would go forward with the thumb, would go out like that, which created inconsistencies. And so one of the things he worked with me on is I would come in, I would get right under the goal, and then I would bring the ball up to here, and then you flick your wrist like this. See how much backspin that is? That's beautiful. See that? And so you do this over and over and over again under the goal, and then you, then you move back, and then you move back a little more, and then you move back a little more. Then, then you'd have me add my hand. This hand is just a guide, so the ball just comes out of this hand, okay, like this, just comes out. So anyway, you bend your knees a little bit, you know. Those are some of the... So anyway, you bend your knees, and then, and then flick your wrists over and over and over, and over, and over, and over, and over, and over again, and that was that day's session. The next day, when I came in, guess where I would start? Right back under the basket. Most people want to come in and start shooting half-court shots in the gym. This reminds me of people that think they have great faith who are believing for an airplane and they can't pay their rent. I could tell I lost half the crowd on that one. So So I would come back under the basket and shoot over and over. And what was I doing? Is that I did it so much that it took my thought out, and it, then it became part of like a muscle memory. I had such confidence because of the repetition of this that when I start moving back and shooting over and over and over again, there was, a, there was a time where we said, okay, how many out of 100 you can make? I made 84 out of 100 from the three-point line, 20 feet out. We timed it. Shoot, go get your rebound, run back out. Shoot, go get your rebound, run back out. Had to make 100. I did it in 15 minutes. I got very good at it. But, but first it started with ball on the fingertips, bring to the eye, create the window, hand up, bend your legs, follow through, keep your hand up so you can see it. Over and over and over and over, and over, and over again. What was I doing? Every day, I had hundreds of successes every day. Every day. 
What was I doing? I was repeatedly winning all the time. I was practicing winning. Are you seeing where I'm going with this? So in our Christian walk, we practice faith because you, man, there's no way. How do I, how do I stop somewhere tonight? Romans chapter 12, verse two in the new living translation, please. says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, some of you may think that there's no way you could go into a gym and shoot baskets and make a bunch, but I promise you, I could teach you how to do it, and with good practice, you could do it. The same for us is true spiritually. That we live in a world that thinks differently than we're supposed to think. And so one of the things that I wish happened at salvation that doesn't happen is our minds don't get saved. And so the Bible tells us in Romans that we have to what? Renew our minds. And that's how we're transformed into the, the full impact of the resurrection. Yes. Amen. Are you getting this? Yes. So don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. So if you see people with their elbow out flaring and doing like this, well, I know I'm not going to copy that because what God teaches is to keep it here. Yes. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. So don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Isaiah 55, it says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways better than your ways. You don't have a better way. Now, if you think you have a better way, then you will get the results of your way. And you can go out of this world singing, I did it my way. And Jesus will look at you and say, yes, you did. And here's what you missed out on. But that's not us because we are those that want to experience the full impact of the resurrection and receive all the promises of God because this is winning in the spiritual realm. That is winning. So what do I have to do? I have to bring my thoughts up to his thoughts. I have to bring my ways up to his ways. If I want to go higher, if I want to receive 
the maximum, the highest level attainable, I have to change the way I think. If I change the way I think, then I can change the ways that I'm operating in. I got to begin to think differently. And so then I practice his ways just like I practiced the coach that taught me how to shoot. I, I really, what I was doing was, is I was doing it his way. In order to do it God's way, like I said before, you must first be willing to give up your way. Which requires humility, does it not? I'm amazed at how many Christians get one little correction and they are out the door to find some other church that will love them because they're the new person for two weeks. Oh, they don't love like we love over here. This isn't the day. <laughs> this, this isn't the day to be church hopping, folks. We're in the end of the end days. Hey, if you're called to be here, you know what? Grow up a little bit. Take instruction. Learn from it. Get better. If you're not called to be here, go find where you're called to be because, because you need to be able to receive instruction. Of God's ways. I say this for your benefit. (laughs) I'll leave you with this. We have to allow God to change. We have to make a decision to change the way we think. And that's what Mark 4 is dealing with. Go read Mark 4. When Dr. Savell talks about a hundredfold and God says, just think of it as the maximum or the highest level attainable, that whole passage is dealing with someone's heart and receiving the word. Or you could say receiving the ways of God. And as I receive the ways that God does things and and how he operates in my heart, that word will produce some 30, some 60, some the maximum highest level attainable. It is all based on receiving this word. Because this word is God's instruction manual for his people in the earth. God's got plans for you. Plans of good, not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. 
Your future's bright with God. But you got to get on his path. Stand with me. I'm going to stop here. I've got so much more. I'll see you next time when we get back from Africa, Florida, and the UK. A champion, a champion spiritually is someone that's going to perfect these fundamentals. We're never, I heard someone say today that there are new revelations. Like we're talking about fresh manna from heaven for today. But those revelations build on the foundation that we already have. They don't take the place of. They never take the place of. They build on. And then that's what makes us mature Christians. Who are not easily swayed with every wind of doctrine. Or every charismatic self-proclaimed prophet that comes through with a word that you like. That may or may not be true. And there's, a, there's a, a scripture, I think it's in Ezekiel, that says, The prophets prophesy falsely, and the peop, my people love it to be so. It's interesting that Jesus said, when he's talking about the end of days, in Matthew 24, the first thing he says is, Be not deceived. That means that we got to have a good foundation of the scriptures. Because you don't grow up without a good foundation. If you do, there's going to be some problems. There's so much stuff I wanted to say. So when I talked about believing for an airplane when you can't pay your rent, you got to come in spiritually and get underneath the basket and work on your form. God loves me. Oh, the love of God. Oh, he sent Jesus to die for me. God loves me so much. Yeah, we learned that in uh, preschool. Yes, build on it. And get more revelation of the love of God. Oh, faith. Have faith in God. Lord, I put my faith in you. I put my trust in you today. Let's get a win today. And believe for a parking spot at Walmart. I'm serious. This is how... We begin to exercise the ways of God. If you don't ever practice the ways of God, how are you how are you going to believe for something big and win? How are you going to ever face Goliath? David didn't stand in front of Goliath without having a couple of wins under his belt. I'm teaching good tonight. 
You got to get some wins. We practice these things. Oh, oh, thank you, Lord. That Mr. Annoying, Mr. Aggravating just gave me an opportunity to love and forgive. I feel tingly all over. I heard Brother Copeland say today, he said, I forgive people before I go in the restaurant. Get so good at forgiving because Satan wants to steal your joy. So that you get down and mad and angry and bitter. You do that, you're not winning in the kingdom. Are you getting this? So every day I wake up and I think, I got to get underneath the basket today. Lord, I thank you for your love. Lord, I thank you for your mercies that were new for me every morning. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving keeps the soil of your heart tilled. So that when the seed of the word comes in, forgiveness tills the soil of your heart so that it's not hardened and cracked. So that when the seed of the word is planted, it goes into good soil. So that it spring up. <laughs> Honey, what I forget? To be continued. To be continued. Father, we give you thanks for this word tonight. Lord, this was... I just say, wow. I I mean... Thank you for your revelation of your word tonight. Lord, we're just so thankful. Lord, show each one of us what it, what it is in our own lives of how we can begin to walk these things out daily. Lord, which, which builds the confidence of faith so that we're never wavering, never doubting. And it becomes spiritual muscle memory. as we develop our spiritual muscles (laughs) because you're taking us higher you're taking us to a place that's higher which means I know we're going to experience more of you because we can't go higher without you so I know we're going to experience more of your presence more of your power more of your goodness and we thank you for that tonight In Jesus' name. Amen. We love you. We love you. We're going, we're we're gonna go higher. Are you doing the offering? Who's doing the offering? 
You better come rescue these folks. <laughs> oh.